If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be brilliantly innovative, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to why can't we stop dreaming up new artificer concepts? And what depth do we need to find so we can actually roleplay said concepts? And how can we think a little more inventively when roleplaying these clever characters? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. That was a lot of energy for being kind of under the weather right now. <laughs> that was impressive. Overbalance. <laughs> when things aren't feeling great, just dive in. Well, uh, I mean, you look nearly human, so... Thank you. If you cut off all your hair, you can look a lot less disheveled. That is why we're both bald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we never look sick. So people can never say, you look like shit. <laughs> From Unless it's leaking out of your face, <laughs> yeah. you still look like you're somewhat put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Until our skin is sagging off, we're good. Well, <laughs> let's talk about the Artificer, because I'm excited. That's super sweet. New class. Yes. I mean, it's new to us still. Our timeline moves a lot slower than everyone else's. I know that there's like a thousand artificer videos and things <laughs> out there. We're way behind the ball. <laughs> yeah, I really love the way we, you know, you're supposed to try and create content that coincides with certain releases <laughs> if you're some kind of content creator. And we're just like, what if we do it in like six months, huh? Yeah, we're like a month and a half off. <laughs> it takes us a while to read. That being said, I love the artificer. The yes. artificer is so freaking cool. It's the first time that D&D has made a new base class for 5th edition, and I totally get why, because it actually fills a hole that didn't exist before. Yeah, I do see how Wizards of the Coast has been resisting making new classes, because they didn't want to get into that 3.5 kind of Pathfinder vibe, where there's just like a thousand yeah, classes. Too many options. But you're totally right. This one actually fills a really important niche and that is that tinkerer, that builder, that crazy mad scientist, the person that can put and MacGyver anything together. And I know that it fills that niche because Rumor, my girlfriend and I, were trying to make a character for her that was a tinkerer out of the existing D&D content a year ago. And it was a good character, but we had to make it a cleric. We had to kind of twist some of it around so it kind of felt more tinkery. And then when this came out, we were just like, that's it. That's the character you were trying to build. You were slapping a lot of veneers on stuff until yeah. this opened up a ton of doors. On that note, like, what doors it opens? What <laughs> doors, windows, uh, skylights? It opens all of it because you basement can make... hatch. <laughs> Stay away from the basement hatch. There's terrifying <laughs> things down there. That's where we keep the weird artificers. <laughs> but it opens so many opportunities to make what ever the hell you want yeah like any idea that i've ever had can somehow be fit into an artificer oh oh yeah <laughs> that's broad 
Very broad. But I mean, you can make some of the really cool characters from some of our favorite fictions a lot easier now. Like you got the Iron Mans and the Samuses. Obviously, yeah. Anybody with a gun arm, basically. Yeah. We can go way deeper than just Samus and Iron Man because those are certainly kind of surface level. Hey, these folks wear powered armor. These folks have laser arms. Yeah. We can go as deep as like Knight Rider. You could build yourself an intelligent car. You could, uh, <laughs> you know, man at arms from He-Man with like all kinds of crazy contraptions coming off of them. Granted, the rules are still somewhat limited, but again, just like you did with the cleric to create a tinkerer, you throw a little bit of flavor on top of any of the rules of Artificer, and there's almost too many options for what you could make. <laughs> it's so fun to go down the rabbit holes of, of character possibilities, though. There are a lot of flavor options, but that, I mean, that's true for any class. But the abilities that this brings is pretty stellar, and I've never really had this feel in 5th edition so far. Yeah, in terms of the variety. Like, the thing with a barbarian is a barbarian, kind of across the board, is going to be really good at hitting. And what I find interesting about the Artificer is that each one of the subclasses is very distinctly different. Like, there's some really wild stuff that you can build. Yeah, but the problem... The problem with the Artificers, as excited as we are to talk about it and build these characters, is that sometimes you get this image of your head that you you roll up into the most crazy, cool, badass-looking character you can dream up. And then you start playing, and all of a sudden all you've got is wicked abilities and crazy mechanical stuff. When somebody asks you a question about your character, you don't really know. <laughs> Have you seen my spider crab? <laughs> that's a robot also it walks its name is mr pinchy <laughs> it can salute you salute mr pinchy salute yeah no i totally get where you're going with this because i have friends that are kind of constantly like they're ideas folks and this is a class that caters to those idea folks can i do this with the artificer you can can i come up with this character concept the challenge that that friend always ran into was that they would get three or four sessions in and go, my character's hollow. There's nothing deeper. There's yeah. there's no story. There's no character here. There's no growth or journey that I get to look forward to. I just have some neat contraptions. Mm -hmm. And that's why with this episode, we are going to dive into some of that juicy character business that's inside the shell that the artificer has created around themselves. <laughs> Let's crack open that shell and get to the juicy meat. And we'll start in the Kinship Camp. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. Okay, so to start off, if you're listening to this so far, and you're not really super familiar with the Artificer, kind of weird, but I like it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Just diving into the Artificer episode with uh, a lot of faith. Yeah, uh, but here's a brief overview from the book. And we don't read from the book very often because you can do that. But just to give a recap, they're masters of invention. Artificers use ingenuity and magic to unlock extraordinary capabilities and objects. They see magic as a complex system waiting to be decoded and then harnessed in their spells and inventions. 
They use a variety of tools to channel their arcane power. So they might use alchemist supplies to create a potent elixir, calligrapher's supplies to inscribe a sigil of power, or tinker's tools to craft a temporary charm. That's the core concept of the character, and some of the biggest abilities they have is creating like magical items, infusing them with all kinds of wild shit. Inscribing some magical runes on some kick-ass armor. Yeah. And turning themselves into walking tanks. It's epic. There's some really cool stuff in there. So take a look for yourself at those abilities, but we're going to get into how to create a really fleshed-out character. Now, for some of these fleshed-out characters, Jordan and I tend to use our character creation steps. And because we love interesting facts and ideas and we pull all of this inspiration from all over the place, we look at potential real-world artificers and try to marry those all together into a character concept. So the first step is really to download that character planner that you can obviously get for free on our website. And then we get into some research and and some other things and we kind of mash those together. So uh, you drew some inspiration. Yes, from history. Because alchemists were a pretty big deal for a while before science came along and said, hey, alchemy, (laughs) that's a little loose with the rules. We're going to (laughs) really... Hone in here. <laughs> okay, now that you guys are done playing fantasy, <laughs> let's come back to reality and remember that science is based on facts. <laughs> but we wouldn't have science without it. So thank you, uh, wild and wacky alchemists. Well, true to all of human history, uh, science was kicked off by alchemy, which was really kicked off by greed. Oh, fair enough, because some of the classic themes of alchemy that we think of, at least when we're thinking of that history, is the alchemists' desire to attain the impossible. They always were trying to bend the nature of reality that we understood. So some of the classics that they strove for were immortality, turning things that weren't gold into gold. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it sounds like fantasy, but there were very highly educated, and I say that with air quotes, uh, educated people of the time that legitimately tried to turn like anything iron into gold because they thought it could be done. Curing sickness and disease was also a huge theme. And we've got that baked into a lot of the stories of our era as well. I mean, Indiana Jones was hunting for some of that stuff. His dad was dying at the end of the last crusade and he was hunting down the, the famous piece of alchemy that would save him. Also known as Jesus Cup. Yeah, famous Jesus Cup. And that desire for gold resulted in some wild, real-life innovations. Like, Ji Hong, who lived from 283 to 343 AD, was the one that, while trying to make gold, combined saltpeter and sulfur to create early gunpowder. I like that because we could create characters that end up creating really cool armor or cool weapons or, you know, some of the tinkers, things that they can do accidentally. Ah, yeah. I mean, your alchemist could influence whatever fantasy world they're living in in a pretty major way. Totally. You've got Hennig Brand, who lived from 1630 to 1710, who wanted to make some gold as well. Uh, Apparently, he just asked the simple question, what's colored gold, and decided to figure out how to get gold out of urine. Nope. (laughs) I don't. Oh, oh, no. I just had an image. I just flashed into... Henning's 
laboratory and it's awful. It's one of those like classic. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. <laughs> there's there's jars everywhere, and most of them have uh, handles on them. He couldn't have been respected in uh, the culture at the time. Like, <laughs> that's the guy trying to get gold from Biss. Nah, yeah, I'm he, gonna skip his party. <laughs> don't go over to Henning's house. He's just got a lot of piss and jars just hanging around. But that's a classic, like one of those breaks that a scientist takes and the inspiration hits them at that moment. He's taking a bathroom break. <laughs> oh, gold! <laughs> right there. It's so direct. It's so straightforward. <laughs> I love it. So for his experiments, it gets even grosser because he supposedly preferred beer drinkers because more gold. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. He didn't get it. That is such simple thinking. It's just so straightforward. <laughs> and after boiling down all his cups of urine in all kinds of different ways, he ended up with phosphorus. No. Because that's in urine. So he actually did something. Did something helpful. rather than just be weirdly obsessed with pee. Because they didn't really have phosphorus before then. He was like, look, a new a new thing I found. I can make something burn. Yeah. So phosphorus was known as the devil's element because it glows. It bursts into fire, like you said. And it was even the 13th discovered element. Ooh. So that's bad luck. If I based a character on this, I'd use this and gunpowder to flavor a lot of my spells and abilities. Like magically enhanced phosphorus could do all kinds of crazy effects like lightning, fire, explosive trickery. And having one thing that you're doing all that with, I think, is kind of a cool core to a character. Well, and it's ever at the ready. All you have to do is just pee in a jar and you're starting to make <laughs> phosphorus. Hold on, I'm going to cast a spell. <laughs> Let me turn around. Zip. Oh, no. And if we go back even farther, Hennig wouldn't have been able to make his famous uh, phosphorus urine if it had not been for the discoveries of other greats before him, like Mary the Prophetess. <laughs> God damn it. What did Mary do? <laughs> Hers isn't as bad. She didn't mess around with body excretions. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank goodness. But she's credited with having perfected several alchemical procedures the most recognizable being the Bain Marie or Mary's bath. Which is? Well, very simply, it's a water bath, but she created some specific tools for chemistry that allowed certain processes to be done that hadn't been done before. She put stuff in water. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But they weren't doing it before that. Okay. Everything in the past seems simple to us. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I can look down my nose at the experiments of old when the <laughs> experiments were as simple as put thing in water. Yeah. Heat it up so it go another thing. <laughs> okay. So how are we going to tie this all in with a D&D &D character? Fair, fair. Okay. Get to the point, Jordan. I think some really fun themes to take away from Alchemy of Old were... Themes of sacrifice and ambition about how morality can erode when you're chasing these larger-than-life goals. Hmm. Okay. We're getting into some character motivations now. Got yeah. It. Like, are you going to go down a potentially darker path in order to fulfill this impossible goal of yours? Or are you going to maybe keep other values in your life and learn that those are actually more important than going down in history? Well, all of them from sacrifice to ambition like we don't have to choose a kind of core element to our artificer that's as disgusting as pee no but <laughs> we could absolutely have 
any one of these elements, our artificer is dead set on achieving one thing, and it's a noble goal, or it's maybe not a noble goal. It's a selfish goal, but yeah. Maybe the catalyst to some of our spell crafting is something that is hard to get or maybe controversial or mm. something else like that. There's there's some meat there that we can really add into our artificer. Yeah, absolutely. The wondrous thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that these goals are kind of easier in a way, but harder in other ways. So those things, like you're saying, can be difficult to obtain. They can be quests of their own so that they can continue down their path. Well, and that's also, as far as inventors go, that's one of the great things about Tony Stark was that he was a bit of a flawed hero. When he had his mind on something, he achieved it, even at the sacrifice of some other stuff. And when you kind of took into account all of the Stark's achievements, maybe they weren't so good. But he individually was doing some good things, but the things that he brought into the world... Yeah, were very morally gray and controversial. So adding some of that stuff into our artificer really gives them another layer of, you know, they're not just a surface level, hey, look at me, I've got some cool armor. What does that armor mean? What did you have to do to attain that armor? There's a ton of stuff to explore there that I absolutely love. Totally. So following our character builder, I'm assuming that you have a character to present to us with some of these themes. Abso-certainly. All right. Let's get into him. His name is Yolon. His theme, like we talked about, is what sacrifices are worth pushing the boundaries of reality. So to get into his backstory briefly, his status quo was he was a small-time alchemist learning from a local that only knew so much, and he was very confident. Okay, so he's got a bit of an ego. He wants to achieve great things. Yeah. The kickoff was that he thought he was onto something, but he needed certain materials to prove it. He claimed that he could turn any metal into adamantine. And because people heard that claim, he was brought before the rulers of a kingdom. Hmm. Uh, His resist destiny was that he couldn't actually do it, apologized to the rulers, and tried to, you know, okay, thanks for bringing me in. I'm out of here. (laughs) I love this, like, shame and humiliation. As an adventurer trying to seek out magical items or anything that could potentially reestablish you as somebody to be taken seriously after you've been humiliated in front of a a king. And their court, yeah. But obviously the, the ruler said, nope. Uh, We're going to keep you prisoner because you made a false claim. (laughs) You lied. Uh, His call to adventure was that he made a deal for his freedom from said prison that he would solve this alchemical conundrum within X amount of time, whatever works for your adventure, or be put to death. Oh, wow. That's going to end your adventure in a very... (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's do it. So what's his ultimate want and ultimate need? Well, his ultimate want is to discover this world-changing procedure because not only would it uh, unlock the ability to turn metal into adamantine, but it would keep him from dying, <laughs> very literally. Fair enough. <laughs> I would imagine that this character is going to be very desperate for the other party members' help in achieving said goal. And really, if I'm a DM and I'm trying to build a story for you to play in with this character... It's as simple as tossing out the rumor in some town 
Yeah. That the big bad evil guy has a way to do this. You got me on the hook for sure. There, you cannot turn down my quest. <laughs> and I really like playing characters that have that, like, in the back of their head, there's always something, there's a pressure that's always there. Yes. That they cannot forget. And their ultimate need is to help those in need with what he can do. So he just needs to let go of the potential death threat that he has from a king and just... Well, he still needs to figure that out, but I'm thinking I would start playing this character as very selfish because like, it's all about me and surviving. Yes. But it's like, as he adventures, there's other people that have almost the same dire circumstances he does. And he can help them if he just takes his mind off of his... Well, and if we're being honest, he deserves every bit of <laughs> the <laughs> the pain that befalls him. He really just has to, like, in his time that he has left before the king actually sends the royal guards after him for being a... Liar, cheat, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> that he can be out there helping. Okay, so following our character backstory planner, you need an ally and a nemesis for your DM to use. Yes, so the ally is a pupil of his that thinks he's brilliant and is willing to help with nearly anything. <laughs> okay. So it's like almost somebody that will run up to him and be like, what do you need? They'll send him on little mini quests and things like that. Good. We yeah. got a yes man. Yeah, exactly. And his nemesis is his handler from the kingdom that periodically checks on his progress through scrying and showing Ooh. up at inopportune moments and things like that. Maybe even like that's one of his secrets from the party at first is like, who's this weirdo? And then my character would go to meet with him and there's like secret meetings that everyone's wondering about. And I love a nemesis that is amiable towards you mm -hmm. and like not overly antagonistic, yeah. but kind of like that Severus Snape kind of vibe yeah. that is just like, Mm, fuck you. <laughs> and, you know, it's just always... Mightier than thou. Yeah. Like, you're a little piece of scum. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoy that. That's good. I think the challenge that I have with our own character builder is that I often look at the ally and the nemesis and go like, I gotta go heavy with these. And the nemesis is this big, bad, evil guy. But no, it can be just as simple as like, give me somebody who's kind of a dick to me. Yeah. And provide that to your DM so that they can use that person to, to motivate and yeah. yeah, make things trickier when they need to be trickier. Okay, so you need some traits to help your role playing. Absolutely. So his positive traits are going to be idealistic and curious. His neutral traits are informative to okay. others, which could end up being annoying in certain circumstances. Ah, uh, the hey, did you know? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> And his negative traits are going to be that he's very arrogant and dismissive. Oh, yeah, I like that. You know, just being kind of dismissive of other people's ideas, even when they're good. Yeah. And even their, like, desires and their, what they want to do with their time. It's like, so simple. Yeah. So simple. And so quaint. I'm, I'm trying to do the, Im <laughs> the impossible. I'm trying to change the world here. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Thank you. So, yeah, what's your character pitch? All right. Well, Yolan was a nobody in a small, simple community, but he wanted to be a great, renowned mind, respected. So he planned to impress the world by turning common metals into adamantine, which he couldn't actually do, so he's imprisoned. <laughs> Ultimately, he makes the deal to achieve the impossible within a year. All right. 
Well, that's a great kickoff for a quest or a story. Yeah, meeting up with a group of people that he thinks can help him. What I love about this process, and not to harp on our own character builder (laughs) too much, but it's so quick. It's so quick and so easy. Once you kind of get on a roll of a character, I, as a DM, have everything that I need to write a really good story for you. All I have to do, like, I can still tell my story, but I add elements of your character into it. So, you know, I throw in an NPC that's super idealistic that can actually be a bit of a foil Mm. to yours. Or I can throw in, you know, like I said before, just a hint at maybe a spell that could turn anything into adamantine. Yeah. There's a million opportunities there for me to really have fun with your character and its story. And to keep my character super engaged with whatever's happening. All right, well, I've taken up quite a bit of time with Yolan, so let's switch over to Travis's character. Well, I'll be fairly quick because I think mine is very straightforward. I'm kind of just like dredging up some of my own weird feelings about uh, humanity and the very temporary life that I'm given. Wow. Mortality. Yeah. Very good. Let's let's get into it. So I joke a lot about being the first to sign up for Cyborg Eyes. I'm not even sure that I would, but I just <laughs> like the idea. I love the idea of the shit that is possible in cyberpunk. Yes, you've been uh, very engrossed with the new video game Cyberpunk. <laughs> so... There is actually a group. I wouldn't call myself one of them because they've got some pretty radical ideas. Uh, But it is very interesting kind of thought experiment kind of stuff. So if you've ever heard of this before, transhumanism. So the ability to go beyond your human form. Many would actually argue that we are already in the age of transhumanism. So transhumanists agree on kind of one thing, that our evolution is incomplete and soon will transcend the definition of what it is to be human. So through technology, we'll become something more. And they would also argue that prosthetics, pacemakers, organ transplants, even something as simple as the contraceptive pill Hmm. is biohacking. Like we're changing the way our body works to be easier for us. I suppose so. That is pretty wild because yeah, those are examples that we're all used to, but it's not that much of a mental leap to imagine more. Even things like, oh boy, vaccines are all proof that we have kind of transcended what was intended for us by certain diseases and challenges. We're doing this all the time. Yeah. So we're living a life beyond the non-augmented bodies that we were kind of born with. I mean, it's a controversial viewpoint. However, it is backed with a desire to see things better. So imagine a future without hunger, disease, war, poverty, aging, and death. Like those are all ideals of transhumanism. Let's overcome this stuff because we're smarter, we're better, we can do this. Yeah. I find it really easy to start to agree with some of these ideals when you think about a world without human needs. And it is such an interesting viewpoint because it's one of those sliding scale viewpoints where it's like everyone falls somewhere for their personal morality. 
what's too far? Because we've all gone a little ways. So what's a little more? Yeah. If you've taken a Tylenol, you said, (laughs) hey, I don't want to live with this headache anymore. Let me use science to counteract it. Yeah. All the way up to, hey, what if I could live forever? And the implications of of that. From Tylenol to immortality. Well, I'm just saying, like, like you said, there's a scale. Yeah. So the poster child of the transhumanist movement is actually a real person named Zoltan Istvan. He sounds like a on the fringe of science guy, for sure. If your parents named you Zoltan, you were destined (laughs) to seek immortality or whatever. To push the boundaries (laughs) of something, for sure. So Zoltan Istvan was on the presidential ballot in 2016. Wow. A lot of people don't don't realize that. And his whole thing. So, A, he fights against the encroaching desire to seek out AI, true AI, because it poses a huge threat to human evolution. Mm. On the flip side, he's all about trying to seek out ways to prolong life, to cure disease, all very noble, amazing things. So yeah, give him a quick Google. He's really interesting. And I've actually built a character based on Zoltan. So some key elements of his life I've kind of pilfered from my own D&D character. That's what happens when you run for president. <laughs> become a D&D character. Oh boy, <laughs> that's one I'm not going to open. No, 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 no. <laughs> So I've created an armorer, the transhumanist Castoro. His theme, can short-lived humans outlive elves or even become immortal? Because this whole 80-year bullshit has got to stop. <laughs> it sucks. Elves get to live to 3,000. I'd much prefer that. Let's unlock the reasons why they can live so long. He wants to do it with science and tech, obviously, not become a desiccated corpse that just wants to rule the world (laughs) that keeps their soul in a little canister like a lich. Yeah, maybe that's a a step too far. (laughs) Still wants to have friends and interact and all those things. I would imagine that he would actually be pretty pissed at that comparison. Yeah, that's... That'd be great. Every time he pitches it and someone's like, you mean like a lich? No. No. (laughs) Not like a lich. (laughs) So Castoro was living the life of a journalist and an adventurer with a bit of a death wish. He was going to uh, war-ridden areas of the world and reporting on some of the things that were happening there. His kickoff was that he stepped in a trap and nearly died like so many adventurers do. Oh, totally. Big hazard out there. And his resist destiny was that he never left the house. He wanted to go home and stay safe. Because traps are spooky. Traps are spooky. Why be an adventurer? It seems fraught with danger. Yeah, that's the life I'm living right now. <laughs> stay inside. The world is fraught with danger. <laughs> I can identify. So his call to adventure is after studying Warford, he became obsessed with body modification. If we can create Warforge, why can't we just modify our own bodies? Why can't we give ourselves Warforged arms and limbs and other things? So uh, began to began doctoring to build metal plating attachments on his body with magical healing 
so that he can now feel safer on his quest to obtain immortality. Okay, a little trap protectors. Well, he's going to armor up. Yeah. So that he can go out and he can still seek the kind of forbidden magics that maybe liches have tapped into. And he can quest with the rest of his party safely without fearing uh, an untimely demise at the end of a pointy stick. That a bad DM has placed in his way. (laughs) (laughs) His ultimate want and his ultimate need, uh, he wants to obtain a wish spell. Very good. For that immortality. Solid ambish. And, you know, if he can get them, potions of longevity or other things like that. But his ultimate needs are to come to terms with just learning to value his life currently. Right. So very similar to your character, and I think there's a bit of an artificer theme here of being very driven, very narrow-focused on whatever it is that they want. And excluding any joys you might find in the here and now. Yeah, exactly. All right, so what about the ally and the nemesis? Well, he's going to need lots of parts. He's going to need lots of pieces. So I'm thinking an ally would be like a junk or parts dealer named Vic. Nice. Runs a junkyard. Yeah. Has some angry dogs. Vic the traitor <laughs> for any Fallout fans, original Fallout Ooh. fans there. Wow. Nice. It's a deep cut. Uh, and his nemesis is going to be an annoying zealot that's obsessed with stopping him. Mm. That maybe wants to be like, I'm thinking a Steve Jobs to a Bill Gates kind of person. Like they're <laughs> they're both in the same race, race trying to get to immortality. Except one is doing something that doesn't like. They both philosophically come from separate places, even though they're trying to make it to the same destination. Right. Gotcha. So I'm thinking somebody that's like, I'm willing to use dark magics if I have to. Uh. So the uh, the pitch is Castoro was a low-level adventurer that had a brush with death, and the following revelation pushed him to imagine a world where death isn't an inevitability. Wanting to avoid the undeath route, he planned to hunt down and use a wish spell with the aid of his adventuring friends. So his goal is actually pretty selfish, because he's not trying to do it for the world, he's trying to do it for himself. Well, who knows? Once he gets there, if he were to ever get a wish spell, he could just want to wish everyone immortality. Yeah, fair enough. Hopefully that doesn't backfire on him. (laughs) Some kind of a... (laughs) Oh, absolutely it will. (laughs) Well, good. It sounds like a couple of pretty solid characters. I'm into playing them. What I take from this whole process is really like, take a look at the artificer, whatever it is that inspires you yeah inspires whatever you want to build make sure that it has underlying values and needs and wants because you'll very easily end up creating a character that you'll play three sessions of and go this is boring yeah i mean i think i did that once i had what i thought was the most epic concept for a character it was super dark and brooding and badass it was kind of artificery because it was somebody that could like go into their suit of armor and all of a sudden be the ultimate warrior. But when they weren't in their armor, I had nothing to say or do. It was just a mopey little dinkus. <laughs> a, a dinkus. <laughs> if you're considering Artificer or really any other character, I would challenge you to give our character planner a download. It's on our website, hookandchance.com. 
and it's under the resources section. And we would love, if you're just listening to the podcast, send us a message. Come drop it onto our Discord. Yeah. Your character build based on that character creation tool. And if you're listening on YouTube or any other platform, like just, just I want to hear some of these character concepts that come of using this very simple and easy approach to creation of a character. Absolutely. And even any other thoughts you have about uh, inspirations for the artificers or your own spins, because like we said, there's a million spins. We want to hear them all. So many. Yeah. We could just go on for days and days, but we won't. We will go to Grandma B's schoolhouse instead. Folks come here to Grandma B's schoolhouse to gain knowledge and apply the history of their realm. So the other challenge of the Artificer is that they're another one of these smart characters. <laughs> Smarter than me. And we suck at playing smart characters. <laughs> I can pretend to be stronger than I am, but it's real tricky to pretend to be smarter than I am. So how do we become more inventive like an Artificer in the moments of gameplay? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one because... If we're diving through a dungeon and we come up to a gap, my character is going to think of something on the spot to get across that gap. <laughs> Travis is going to sit there and go, uh, Look through my spells a list. bridge? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can we run real fast? How far can you jump? Barbarian, can you throw me? <laughs> <laughs> it's all very like simple. Yeah. None of it is, is super clever. clever. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I've got for you is some inventiveness principles from Jack Hipple, the author of The Ideal Result, What It Is and How to Achieve It, where he presents a problem-solving method based on analyzing millions of patents and finding the common elements within them. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was pretty goddamn interesting. So this guy basically just went through and said, like, what are all of the most amazing inventions and what is the commonalities between them? Yeah, what are the principles that makes them inventive? What did they do to this thing that made it patent-worthy? Interesting. Yeah. All right. So a major part of his book is these 40 inventiveness principles. We're not going to... I'm not going to talk about them all. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll be there forever. <laughs> but... I do have a handful of principles useful for thinking up creative solutions to obstacles in D&D. And since we're both trying to find solutions to some major obstacles in the campaigns that we're playing and running in, uh, we'll try and apply these principles to those right now. Well, mine is escaping a diabolical prison that I've devised. And the only reason it's really diabolical is because I have no plans for how Jordan and the rest of his party are going to possibly escape it. Yeah, we're going to have to start getting pretty creative pretty fast. And mine is derived from one of the 5th uh, edition adventures where they're basically going up against Xanathar, the Beholder, and they're going to have to find a way to take him down. Oh, boy. They, yeah. have, they have some things to play with. It's not like I'm just putting them in a room with Xanathar. So. I am not looking forward to this. And this goes to show... That, I mean, from my character perspective, I'm playing a big bruiser. But also, this works really well with my own level of inventiveness, where I just go, how hard should I hit it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when you're going up against a beholder... That's not the solution. No. <laughs> it's probably not going to work out well. Bad things will happen. So, help me with some inventiveness <laughs> principles, please. All right. 
I'm only going to talk about five of them that I thought applied pretty well. Segmentation is the first one. Simply breaking something into smaller parts to accomplish a goal. Some examples of this are modular furniture. Okay. Or even Lunchables. <laughs> I've extracted my individual parts to my sandwich into, indivi <laughs> into groups. What a wonderful treat. We got trimming. So removing parts that aren't needed for a specific goal. Uh, one kind of creative example of this was if you want to scare off intruders to your home, have a dog barking sound play, but no actual dog. You remove huh. the part that you don't really need to scare them off. <laughs> I don't need to feed an animal or a companionship <laughs> yeah. in my dirty bunker. I just need a dog sound being played over loudspeakers. There we go. Good. The next principle is nesting dolls, which is derived from that exact thing. But real world applications are things like mixing bowls. You can fit a lot more bowls in the cupboard if you use nesting dolls. Or the fact that hotels often put casinos on the way to the hotel room. Ah. So you can't get past them without wanting to play. Clever. Then we have the copying principle, which is using cheaper versions of something to achieve the desired result. Uh, an example being crash test dummies. Rather than putting people in there to test cars, <laughs> let's use dummies. Very expensive and horrible <laughs> way of figuring out whether or not a car is dangerous. Yeah, that's rough. Don't do it. Then we have pneumatics and hydraulics, which is the use of gas and liquids instead of solids to achieve your goal, like gel-filled shoe soles, for hmm. example, or an inflatable mattress. Yeah. I, who owns a patent to an inflatable mattress? What a life on their pile of inflatable mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how the hell can I get myself out of this beholder situation with one of these principles? Let's do some some thinking on this one. All right. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, see, this is so much pressure. In the moment, <laughs> I have no idea what to do. Reference your list. Can okay. you nesting doll beholders? Uh, maybe. 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 I'm thinking kind of like a, I, we could potentially do like a solid snake hide inside a box style kind of. Oh, that's true. Maybe a surprise attack like that. Yeah. To get okay. close to it. Not okay. that that's necessarily what you need. <laughs> Breaking some ideas out here. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What were some of the other ones? Pneumatics and hydraulics. You do mm. anything with that? Well, if that's using liquids, I could potentially like maybe fill a chamber with some kind of liquid. I don't know. Can beholders swim? Good question. They've you can got test no that theory out. They've got no paddling. Yeah, they float, They'd have to use so their eyes. Maybe they would be at a disadvantage in water. Well, in order to get anywhere, they're going to have to use their eye stalks as a means of locomotion, <laughs> which means they're not pointed at me. That's true. Trimming. Well, I'd love to trim those eye stalks just a foot or two. If you could create some kind of a complex scissor-like apparatus. That just... <laughs> Mr. Xanathar, you are in dire need of a haircut. I was just going to say, maybe that is the way. Hose is <laughs> a hair snip. cutter. A little off the top wouldn't hurt. <laughs> just 10. Just 10 <laughs> quick snips and we're done. So what you need to do is first apply a hair growth potion. <laughs> Xanathar said. Get them up in a very compromising <laughs> position. How about copying? Hmm. See, that one's interesting. That actually might be useful. I think the last couple of ideas might have been some bullshit ideas, but everyone knows that beholders hate other beholders. So 
my big fighter slash barbarian needs to get close enough to do some damage to a beholder before he gets eviscerated right. by an eye beam. And since beholders have so many eyes, it's hard to sneak up on them, all that. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta close that gap. So what if I created a copy of a beholder and maybe lured it away? Or even a bunch of copies that like so at least it would have things to shoot its eye beams with before it got to the one you're in or something. That's what I'm thinking. So with something like my mirror image, uh, you know, some mirror image scrolls or maybe paper mache. <laughs> It could definitely make a, a nice paper mache. But like, I'm charging a beholder. Does the beholder go for me or the other beholder that's in the room? Right. Oh, I see. I see. So you're working. Oh, you could even say you're working with another beholder. Ah. You're just its peons. <laughs> and here comes a poorly painted paper mache <laughs> beholder. Being puppeted by an alchemist in the back. All right, so you have to escape out of prison. Yes. So to go back through again, what about, uh, well, pneumatics and hydraulics? Well, the prison itself is built in an ocean, so it's surrounded by water. Yeah. Prison's basically a big cylinder. That goes straight down into the ocean. Yeah. So we're always surrounded by water. It's the only thing I can think of that could really help in this situation, because we would need to get to the top to get out, is cracking a hole in the wall and floating our way out. <laughs> All right. So you're just going <laughs> to flood the place. Yeah. I mean, sure. A lot of loss. Till all of the water equalizes, and now you're just sitting at sea level uh, inside your, your prison. We yeah. might have to do some hiding amidst the rubble to get up that high so we're not spotted by the guards at the top or something like that. But that certainly would be chaotic. Could work. Copying, I don't think, really helps because I can't. I don't want to copy the prison... Copying myself would just get that self blasted by the guards <laughs> <laughs> at the top. What about nesting dolls? Well, that's weird for this because there's this big gap between the prison area and where the guards are watching. So what if we built a tower within the tower that we could defend, like built it up as we go, keep a top on it that like slopes anything that they drop away from it. So we just keep building until we've... <laughs> Got a tower that gets us out of the tower. Interesting. All right. So what about segmentation? Segmentation, breaking into smaller parts. Well, you can't break the prison itself into smaller parts. <laughs> but what if we built like a fake wall section that we could hide mm. behind that looked like the real wall? So if you're looking at it, you're just like, oh, that's just the wall. But keep moving that up as we build platforms to get higher and higher. That could work. That could work. What I love about these inventiveness principles is that you can pretty much just rattle through these five or all 40 of them, and an idea will pop up. Like, maybe the first one isn't good, but you're going to go through this list, and something is going to come to your mind, and you'll just kind of run with it. And the secret for most adventuring parties is that, just like I've done here, I've created a prison with no plan of escape. If I'm a decent DM <laughs> and you come up with a decent plot to get out of there, I'm probably going to roll with it. Yeah, exactly. And these give you something rather than the nothing that I sometimes come up with. Oh. I mean, we've talked about it a lot before, but this is kind of the creative confines of coming up with those inventive ideas. And it certainly feels more like an artificer's idea 
than my idea of hitting it with a stick. <laughs> For certain it does. Well, if you want to check out all 40 of these ideas that Jordan has uh, so graciously put together, you'll be able to find them on the post for this episode on our website. They are my ideas. I claim them. <laughs> I am brilliant. Inventive. <laughs> what if these ideas were my ideas? <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that. We hope this generated some new ideas in your head and helped come up with some new character ideas for maybe an artificer. We hope that, yeah, you can use some of these inventiveness principles to do something, even if it just gives you one good idea somewhere down the line. Uh, that's great. I promise. Rattle through these and you will come up with something. It might not be gold, but it's, like we said, <laughs> better than the alternative. Staring at each other across the table. Again, please come on over. Tell us about your artificer characters. Tell us about your cool ideas. Just share what you got out of this episode with us. It means a lot. Uh, you can do that on our Discord. You can interact with the other awesome players and DMs that are on there. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Thank you, as always, to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you hear in this episode. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and do not great experiment games. with your urine. <laughs> Anyone else's. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) 